For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, I share my conversation with Cornell Cooperative Extension Master Gardener Volunteer Barbara Bravo from Ulster County. Barbara is eager to tell us about information on cultivating your green thumb at this year's Garden Day event happening April 6th at SUNY, Ulster County, in Stone Ridge, New York. All of that and Keith Hubbard's Star Talk coming up on today's Farm and Country after news headlines. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. The polls are now open for Republicans casting primary ballots in South Carolina. Former President Donald Trump is heading into the day in a strong position. Regardless of the outcome in her home state, Nikki Haley is vowing to move on through the primary process. Details from WABE's Sam Gringless in Beaufort, South Carolina. Farouk and Barbara Ryman moved to South Carolina's Low Country two years ago and this week attended a sunset Haley rally on the waterfront with their dog Flicka. Farouk is a Republican, Barbara a Democrat. Both are voting for Haley in South Carolina's open primary. And, and that's why I think she resonates with me, yeah. that the return to normalcy, because this is not normal. I think she has a lot to contribute as a woman. And, you know, I would be okay if she were president. I would. But voters like the Rymans likely won't be enough to fuel a Haley victory in the conservative Palmetto state, where Trump's support has not wavered. For NPR News, I'm Sam Greenglass in Beaufort, South Carolina. As the third year of Russia's war on Ukraine begins, President Volodymyr Zelensky today welcomed Western leaders to Kyiv, including the European Commission president, the Italian premier, and prime ministers from Canada and Belgium. Still at this juncture in the war, by many accounts, Ukraine is struggling. After recent Russian advances, Russia has mounted another night of missile and drone attacks on cities across Ukraine. Meanwhile, Yulia Navalny, the widow of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, is accusing Russian President Vladimir Putin of holding her husband's body hostage. She's heard here through a BBC translator. Hand over my husband's body. We want him to be buried humanely in the ground, as is customary in orthodoxy. Give Alexei back without any conditions. You tortured him alive. Now you torture him while he's dead. UNICEF reports two years of devastating warfare in Ukraine is causing widespread suffering, anxiety and distress among children. Lisa Schlein has details from Geneva. UNICEF reports Ukrainian children have little opportunity to recover from the distress and trauma associated with Russian attacks. UNICEF spokesman James Elder, speaking from Kharkiv, says children are gripped with grief and fear. Two years of this war is sort of is wreaking havoc on children's mental health now. They haven't been anywhere near a classroom because they don't see their friends. Many of their friends have gone. Elder says this winter has been particularly horrific for children. He says thousands have been forced to shelter in cold, damp basements as missile and drone attacks escalate. Many families are living without heating, water and electricity. For NPR News, I'm Lisa Schlein in Geneva. This is NPR. Welcome back to Farm and Country. 
I'm your host, Rosie Starr. On today's show, I share my conversation with Cornell Cooperative Extension Master Gardener Volunteer Barbara Bravo from Ulster County. Barbara is eager to tell us about information on cultivating your green thumb, the theme for this year's Garden Day event on April 6th, taking place at SUNY in Ulster County, Stone Ridge, New York. But first, let's leap into Keith Hubbard's Star Talk. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. country. I'm Keith Hubbard and this is Star Talk. This year is an even year that is divisible by four, which makes it a leap year. We say the length of a year is 365 days, but it is actually 365.24 days. That's about one quarter of a day longer than what we observe, so every four years we add an extra day. If we didn't add a day every four years, over a century the calendar will be off by nearly a month. The length of a year is not 365.25 days, but 365.24 days. 0.01 days is about 11 minutes. Not a big deal over a couple dozen years, but over 128 years, it equals an entire day. We've gone from being short one day every four years to being over one day every 128 years. To correct for this, Pope Gregory XIII introduced the calendar we use today known as the Gregorian calendar, in 1582. The Gregorian calendar still observes a leap year every four years, but it skips a leap year every 100 years. Skipping a leap year every 100 years instead of every 128 years means we are overcorrecting by one day every 400 years. So every 400 years, we keep the leap year, like we did in the year 2000. But even this calendar is not completely accurate. It is off by one day every 3,236 years. On Thursday, celebrate the extra day we get this year as a leap day. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. It's the time of the year when many folks are pouring over their garden catalogs, eager to begin another season in their gardens, cultivating their green thumb. Joining us by telephone is Cornell Cooperative Extension Master Gardener Volunteer Barbara Bravo from Ulster County. She's eager to tell us about this year's Garden Day event happening in early April at SUNY Ulster County in Stone Ridge, New York. Barbara, welcome to our program. Great. Thanks for having me, Rosie. This this is gives me an opportunity to talk up a program. And actually, um, it gets me more excited about the oncoming spring. You know, all the things that go on my checklist that need to be attended to. Mm. So it's good timing. Well, Barbara, you are the chairperson for this full day planned for April 6th. What would you like to start with? 
just about this particular program. We do this every year. I've lost count of how many years we've been doing it. I know I've been doing it for about 18 years. It's a full day of just immersing yourself in all things gardening. I mean, gardeners can't get any happier than that. Coming together with other like-minded people, sharing experiences, learning new things, and just having an all-around great day. And our program kicks off at 8.30 in the morning and runs straight through until about 4 o'clock. So it's a real full day. It's, It's really packed with lots of good information for everybody at, at every level, basically. From the information that I've gathered, it, it is a full day. So where would you like to begin with? Tell us something about how well, the day will start and what you'd like people to do. At 8.30, we open the doors so people can come in and register. The actual registration is all online, and that's what We will direct people to the online site for that. And then once you finish registering, you come to SUNY New Paltz at the Stone Ridge campus on that day, April 6th at 8.30, and you get your induction process. You get your folder that's going to give you all the information about the classes that you registered for and the room numbers, et cetera. And then we just launch into this energy-packed day, and we do kick it off at 9 o'clock with a keynote speaker. And this year, we are just thrilled to be able to have Mark Wolf. He's the Director of Horticulture and Environmental Stewardship at Mountaintop Arboretum. And I've known about Mountaintop for so many years. And in the beginning, it was really small. It was just like seven acres, and it was privately owned. And it was an experiment on the part of the owners. They're interested in trees and seeing how trees performed at the elevation, et cetera. And uh, over time, it has grown tremendously. They've increased acreage. Acreage is now 178 acres, having started with only seven. And now it is basically in the hands of a not-for-profit organization, And it's a very important aspect to the whole uh, area, the Hudson Valley area and the Catskill Range, because what they've done there is to understand the geologic area and human history and look at the plant communities that are thriving there. So this talk is going to be focusing on that so that we get a better understanding about how the Mountaintop Arboretum celebrates native trees, shrubs, herbaceous plants, and just the whole region providing habitat to support local wildlife populations, which is really essential. We're losing a lot of those populations. So the more we can create environments for them, the better. Well, it does sound impressive and very important because it looks like it's part of the Catskill watershed. Yes, provides New York City with fresh water for 9 million people. Yes. What's next? I see that you're actually on the list for giving a class. Yeah, I am. I'm going to be doing a class on ground covers. This is something I've been experimenting with for many years in my own gardens. And we're going to focus on using living plants as green mulch rather than 
filling up our gardens with shredded bark and things like that. So it's another way of creating an additional layer in the garden. And then the living plant material itself will actually shade the ground, keep it cooler. It'll help mitigate weeds. And the other thing is it will help prevent compaction. Believe it or not, just rainfall compacts the soil. And so by keeping it covered like that with a living mulch, when those plants then do drop their leaves, they are returning essential nutrients to the soil. So you're still getting everything that you would if you use a different kind of mulch. But by using a living mulch, you really kind of cut out the middleman there. And it's also less expensive over time. We're doing a class on raised vegetable beds. And that addresses a lot of issues, including our Hudson Valley soil, which could be very inhospitable because it's filled with rocks and oftentimes a lot of clay content in it. So in that particular class, they'll be addressing soil conditions. They'll be addressing soil contamination and what the benefits from raised beds will, you know, what the advantage is. So there's opportunity for questions to be asked. Yes, uh, that sounds very comprehensive. And I believe your workshop information is science-based. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, uh, we are affiliated with Cornell University. So the Master Gardener volunteers are trained through programs that Cornell designs. And all of our learning, all of our education is based on science. So we will not give out information like, well, the farmer down the road used to do this, this, and that. Unless it's science-based, we really can't use that kind of information. Same thing with my aunt Annie used to grow these kind of vegetables and this is what she did. Unless it's science-based, we're not going to rely on that information. So what we really, our mission is to give out good, solid horticultural information based on science. Okay, well, that's very much appreciated. Will there be a workshop or someone on hand to talk about some worrisome invasive species? Well, this year we do have a workshop where we're focusing on insects. So the first thing about that workshop is we're going to be making a distinction between good bugs and bad bugs. So there's a lot of good bugs that we want in our garden because they will act as predators and they will eliminate some of the bad bugs. And then there's some of them are pollinators. So we need to understand that not all insects are detrimental to our gardens. We really need to get that straightened out first. And then there will be a focus on the pest. As you probably very much aware of, we have a lot of pests coming in that are not natural to our area. And with the climate changing the way it is and the north getting warmer, even some of these insects are just moving up from the south. So there's a lot to understand about insects, what their job is, and who we should encourage, and how we can, within reason, cope with those insects that are detrimental to our gardens. Okay, that's important also. Will some of this discussion focus on pollinators? 
Again, in that particular class, when we differentiate between good bugs and bad bugs, it will involve pollinators. And then in some of the other classes, even just uh, going back to my ground cover class, and then we have people talking about planting your garden so you get color throughout all the seasons. Even in uh, edible landscaping, we're going to be hitting on those plants that are pollinator friendly because now there is such interest in it. And it's also something where we really do need to promote plants that are pollinator friendly. But that doesn't mean your garden has to be exclusively native. So, you know, it's going to be rather a blend. I myself, I always say I'm not a purist. I like to observe, I like to see, I like to have a little bit of everything. And I find myself each year adding more and more pollinator-friendly plants to a garden. Yes, that's extremely important, as is the health of the bees. People are aware now of to practice sustainable and hopefully organic gardening. Do master gardeners from Cornell Cooperative Extension practice that and encourage that? Yes. You know, in fact, we're going to be doing a vegetable class for beginners, which is starting from seed. And in that class, there will be discussions on the proper way to do that and about getting your plants into the ground, etc. But the overall thing is there is more of a demand for information about organic gardening We are prepared to answer those questions. And also, um, we practice what is called IPM, which is Integrated Pest Management. And that is a system where you respond to a situation with the least damaging approach. Supposedly, you have aphids on your kale. So how would you want to approach that? Kale is a a leafy green that you want to consume. So you really don't want to do anything with pesticides or any kind of chemicals in that condition. So what you would do is get out your hose and try to knock them off with a spray of water. Can't get any more basic, any more simple than that. And then, of course, as situations become maybe more dire and depending on what the plant or crop is, then there will be appropriate steps to take along this path from the least damaging to the more heavy-handed approach. So it really depends, and we call that IPM. Okay, that sounds like very strong, good advice. I had somebody, I was at a plant sale, and somebody came over to me, and they had this little, you know, envelope, and they said, look at my leaves. And they showed me these leaves, and they had little holes in, and they were chewed around the edges. And they said, what's doing this, and what can we do to prevent it? And I just looked at them, and I said, well, you know, everybody's got to eat. And they just, they got the message so simply. You know, we have to put aside these ideals of perfection. That's not how nature works. Yes, and um, I remember our conversation last year that included no mo may with people trying to steer them away from perfect lawns. It's more sustainable for the environment to leave a lot of the so-called weeds and mow your lawn Mm -hmm. a lot less and keep those dandelions Mm -hmm. for sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, isn't it great? Isn't it great, though? Now, now we're allowed to be messy. Oh, yeah. Yes. And creative. I mean, to me, as a child, I always loved dandelions. It was my Mother's Day bouquet. Little did I know that they were weeds. My, and my mom appreciated the, the little sunshine bouquet. But now I understand the, the bees wake up in the springtime. They're very hungry and they're mm. looking for those dandelions. Garden Day, we mostly are focusing on educating gardeners and would-be gardeners, people starting out. People have been doing it for years. Even we get some very advanced gardeners that come because they want to hear or understand better some aspect or maybe just learn what's new. So with the workshops on April 6th, are they lecture-based or do they include some hands-on activities? We've got 16 classes. There won't be any hands-on activities because our classes are too large. Too many people in there to actually be able to do anything like that. But some of them might be doing a little bit of show and tell. But basically, I would have to agree with you that it's more lecture-based. They're all PowerPoints, so there's great visuals as well as all the talking points. Usually, we get really good high marks for our presentations. They're all done by our own master gardeners. They're all in-house. They're all from Ulster County. I always emphasize that we have so much pride in our program that we do the best job. And so we, we really rely on the master gardeners to, to come through and deliver. We are uh, offering at Garden Day to do pH tests on soil, and we will also do a texture test simultaneously. And that gives you really good insight to, you know, the kinds of plants you should be looking for. Somebody will come in and say, for this area here, I want to do uh, shrubbery. And could you give me the pH test for this so I'll know what kind of shrubs to buy? You never want to put an acid-loving shrub in a soil that's very alkaline. The plant won't do well. And then you will have been out the money that you spent on that probably very expensive shrub and disappointed. You know, it's like, oh, my God, how come the plant didn't do well? And it's all because the soil was an appropriate match for that plant's needs. So it's really a, a very important, very basic thing. And we encourage everybody to bring in a soil sample. And by the end of the day, they'll have their results. In terms of the programming, you know, this is just one of those very basic things. And I know in my program, I'll be emphasizing these kinds of ground cover plants are appropriate for wet sites, for acidic sites, for alkaline sites, for dry sites. So you want to give people a little bit of a sense of direction of where they need to go. You would never want to put a moisture-loving plant in dry shade. So we just try to straighten that out. For workshops, you have color theory, plant propagation, landscaping, Something called hardscaping. Hardscaping now would be the inclusion of non-plant material, like laying down bluestone, creating a bluestone patio where gardens surround it, or maybe pathways, and using different non-plant materials to create a more interesting environment. So it's kind of a very basic element of landscape design. And that should vibe well with the bird baths and waterfall features? 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good partnering. Oh, it just sounds so wonderful and something to look forward to. And I'm happy to see that there's a workshop about tools. Yes, that's always in demand. <laughs> you know, what kinds of tools you might be interested in owning, how to use them, how to keep them in good condition. You know, because uh, like everything today, you know, you only want to buy things once. So it's a good idea to learn how to use it properly, how it fits your body, how it fits your hand, and then how to how to maintain it. So that should be a really fun workshop. And we have two master gardeners that have teamed up to to teach that one. And then a little bit maybe on some of the power tools like string trimmers. And I'm not quite sure what else they have in mind in terms of that. But it'd be, you know, more on the uh, simple end of things. Each registrant will have the opportunity to choose four out of 16. I know that's hard, but you choose four out of 16, and there will be four sessions with the lunch break in between. So we have two morning sessions that will end at around 1230, then we'll go into the lunch break, and after lunch, at about quarter to two or so, we're going to start with the afternoon session. And in addition to this, we also have a marketplace where uh, we invite vendors to come with garden-related supplies, and we're going to have at least two nurseries there. And so you can really be tempted with all these luscious plants that will be for sale. It sounds beautiful, and it's at the top of April on April 6th. To read more about the program and the outline of each class, you can go to ulster.cce.cornell.edu backslash Garden Day 2024. And if you want to speak to a real person, you can call 845-340-3990. And our uh, coordinator's extension is... Three three five. So either of those contacts will work for you, and I encourage everybody go online, take a look at this program. It's really a fabulous program this year. Yes, I have to agree, and I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to talk about this. Barbara Bravo, you're amazing with the work that you do for this gardening day. It's something for you to be proud of. You are the chairperson for this spring event. You yourself are a master gardener for Cornell Cooperative Extension in Ulster County. The entire event is in Stone Ridge, New York. They'll find out all that information. Stone Ridge is right in the middle of Ulster County. So wherever you're coming from, it's right in the middle. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on Radio Catskill. And we look forward to getting our hands dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm with you on that. Thank you, Rosie. More information is available online at ulster.cce.cornell.edu slash Garden Day 2024. Registration includes pricing for workshops and a great lunch prepared by Stone Soup in Kingston. Special treats include incredible edibles provided by Cornell Cooperative Extension Master Gardener Volunteers. 
We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteer Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guest, Cornell Cooperative Extension Master Gardener volunteer Barbara Bravo from Ulster County. She spoke to us on the subject of cultivating your green thumb. The theme at this year's annual event on April 6th. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Listen on air at 90.5 FM on your phone or smart speaker and online at wjffradio.org. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org a combo of memories and music on ballads and banjos with Sonia Headland and guest John Majiro. As a professional photographer, John took photos of some of the greats, Dolly Parton, Ray Charles, Johnny Cash. And he'll share his memories and the playlist with you. Please tune in Saturday, 7 to 8 a.m. on Radio Catskill. CDC recommends everyone six months and older get an 